0: On this week's episode of Maroon and Bold, we discuss Central Michigan football and their game against Miami. It was a close one, but we're also going to look forward to Western week as the Chippewas head to Kalamazoo to take on the Broncos on Saturday. Welcome back to another episode of Maroon and Bold. I'm Evan Petzl, your sports editor, alongside with me, Assistant Sports Editor Austin Chastain. And, and Austin... How you doing this week? I know we normally like to start it off pretty simple. Um, how are classes? How's life? How's everything going, man? You doing all right? Classes are great. Life's great. Just kind of
1: hanging out, rolling day by day. How about you?
0: Yeah, kind of the same ordeal, right? It's it's day by day, um, brick by brick, step by step, whatever cliche you want to use. That's basically <laughs> how how we do it. But um, But no, man, I mean... It's good. Right now, things are good. And, and I know we got to jump right in and, and talk about the Chippewas from, uh, from Central Michigan, looking at, at their football program and really what they're doing. Um, I mean, for starters, the first question I got to ask you, and, and we got to talk about it a little bit, um, because it's, it's absolutely mind blowing to me, is the fact that you're looking at a team in Central Michigan who, who just was able to compete with an ACC program in Miami. And, and we'll touch on that in a little bit. But then you look at this Central Western game coming up, and it's it's the rivalry game, right? I mean, it's the it's the the biggest of the big games, one that you gotta win. And they're an 18-point underdog. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? There, knowing that it's it's a rivalry. Like, I, I don't even think you can really. I don't even think you can make a team an 18-point underdog in, in any rivalry, right? Because of the fact that it is, it's always a toss-up when these two teams play. And the same could be said for Michigan-Michigan State. The same could be said for, you know, a, a pit against Penn State. You know, the same could be said for um, for a majority of teams, I mean, Auburn-Alabama. The same. You know what I'm trying to say? Do you get where I'm, I'm coming from? Is that a lot of these rivalry games I feel like are just absolute toss-ups.
1: But an 18-point underdog? Really? That. I'll be honest with you. Whoever made those odds, uh, must must have some kind of disrespect for Central Michigan. Vegas, no, uh, oh, okay, yeah, sure. They must. I I don't understand. I, I'm not understanding how a team and well, and like you said, we'll touch on it. But Miami's just not a very good team this year. But a team in Central Michigan that competed and almost beat and arguably should have beat Miami last week. How are they an 18 point underdog to a Western Michigan team that lost, I would say rather convincingly on the road to Syracuse, another ACC team who historically has not been very good. This year they're a little bit better, but especially in a rivalry game, I don't, I just don't understand.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, it. really though, I mean, you you look at this as well, and and I know. Um, we'll see how the numbers change as more information comes out, but Dwayne Eskridge and Levante Bellamy, um, two players for the Broncos, arguably the best two players in the roster outside of, uh, out of John Wasink, the quarterback. Eskridge is a cornerback slash wide receiver. He does a little bit of both, and in the injury that he had against Syracuse, Tim Lester, the, the head coach of, the, of Western Michigan, said that um, it doesn't look good um, from the preliminary reports. He said they have to figure out if, if he's going to need surgery or not on his shoulder, um, but He's expecting that he's not going to be able to play um, against Central Michigan. That's a huge loss. Levante Bellamy is their their top running back, and um, when you look at his numbers, that kind of just screams. As coaches and players like to put it, that screams dude, right? Like he is the guy, and um, you know he had an injury, and they're expecting him to play against CMU. But again, I mean, coming off a an injury in you know just last week, you're looking at a situation where is, is he going to be limited? Are they going to be able to feed him as much as they want, and and then That causes some concern too. And I kind of want to take a look at at this western game in a little bit and kind of take it, you know, position by position, looking at, you know, some of the guys on offense and and who we got to look for. And then and then obviously we can talk about CMU's defense and and some of their improvements a little bit as well. But let's look back to that Miami game and and let's talk about that because it was a a 17-12 loss for the Chippewa's. But you're looking at that game and and man, I mean they had the ball, they had the ball at the end there. I mean, they had a chance to go down the field and score, and, and they weren't able to do it. Now I get it. They were pinned deep, and, and, and it was it was a difficult situation. Clock is ticking, um, and, you know, David Moore made a big play, and, and then the next play that he – and on that play that he made, it was a, a 24-yard pass to, to move move the chains and, and get him going upfield. Um, you know, he was hit pretty hard and, and had to leave the game, and then – Tommy Lazaro came in, the, the backup quarterback, now that, that Quentin Dormady's out, and, and he came in and through one pass, and they put David Moore right back in, and then he threw a pick, and, and that ended the game. But you're looking at a Central Michigan team that was able to hang. Yeah. What does that mean? I mean, I mean does that mean anything, that you are able to hang with an ACC team? Does that mean that you gained more respect? I know we talk about it a lot. You know, yeah, you didn't win, but they were still positives Are we at that point in the season where that's that's still something we care about, or do you think it's kind of whatever, and move on. You know, what are your thoughts on that? I think with the
1: last eight games on this schedule, the little victories, Mm -hmm. one of my old football coaches, when I first started playing, said, it's all about little victories, even when you lose. Because I didn't understand that when I was like eight years old. Mm -hmm. But those little victories in these first four games, obviously coming off of the season you had last year, you want to have... You want to look at positives. You only want to look at positives. Now that you're four games in, you're 2-2, two and two, you won the games you're supposed to win, you lost the games you were supposed to lose, technically speaking. Now you have eight games left. I think the time of looking at the little victories is over. You have to. You have to it, stop you, looking at it, you, right? Now you have to actually go out and get victories because it's it, it's conference season. Yeah, you have, you have one really, really odd non-conference game for homecoming. It's kind of smack dab in the middle there. That'll be
0: that. That should be a win.
1: Oh, oh it should be. Um, you better absolutely be. Right. It, I mean, it, it better you're be. You're absolutely right. Um, and and we'll talk about that. But CMU is historically not very good on homecoming. But the little, like I like we were saying, little victories have got to be kind of overlooked. You have to go out and actually go get these wins because your MAC championship hopes, it's right in front of you, mm-hmm. and you you won't get to Detroit by. Oh, getting close or having a good performance, but lose—that doesn't yeah. matter. You got to go win.
0: Listen, New Mexico State. That's the homecoming game we were talking about. Just to to tap on that for a quick second: fifty-eight-seven um, loss to Washington State, sixty-two-ten lost Alabama, thirty-one-ten lost to South Dakota, or excuse me, San Diego State University, and then a fifty-five-fifty-two loss to New Mexico, um, and they they've got Fresno coming up, and then Liberty before they take on the Chips, but. Again, they're 0 and 4. They're statistically one of the worst teams in college football down there in the in the 129 to 130, um, you know, so, somewhere in that mix. That that better be a win. Listen, I mean, gosh, that better be a win. And and that but that but then again, you look at their schedule and what they've been able to do and, and really where CMU's at. And okay, so they get that win against New Mexico State, and you're looking at two and two in the non-conference um, against you know with two Power Five losses. One of them are one of them's close. I mean, I'll take that all day, every day of the week. I mean, I'll take two and two in the non-conference with a close loss to an ACC program that's traditionally good. Um, but yeah, there, there's no excuses anymore. I mean, you, there, there isn't going to be any more of the whole, um, yeah, well, we lost the game, but so-and-so played good, or we lost the game, but this, or but that. And I get it. You can do it against teams like Miami and Wisconsin, but, but that's no longer the case. I mean, you, the, these are games that you play, and, and you get money to go play those games, and they're supposed to be games that teach you learning lessons, and so go ahead take those. But you can't do it anymore. There can there can't there can't that can't happen against Western. That can't happen against Eastern. And we'll we'll take that all the way down to the schedule. Just can't. Those
1: learning lessons are supposed to be applied for your conference season. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at these teams that you touched on Alabama. Let's look at these teams that go play Alabama. They're not gonna win. That nope. they're guaranteed not going to win. So what do they do? They take early on those teams early on. They they. Take the lessons and try to try to just try to learn, try to learn who you are as a football team. And that's what we were saying about the Wisconsin game that's what we were saying about this Miami game is just learn who you are, learn what you can, what you can't do, and learn how to just and just get better try to get better through a game competition. no I agree and, and that's that's supposed to set you up for the conference season, and guess what? conference seasons here. I mean, okay, yeah, the Akron game, whatever. It's for real now. You you have a bunch of Matt games in a row. It's here.
0: Yeah, I think one of my biggest takeaways from the game against Miami was uh, was quarterback David Moore. And I I know obviously the the defense was stellar, um, specifically the defensive line. I mean, let let's give them some credit because they're they're a team that. They really did take a step back from from last year in terms of what they were putting on paper. I mean, you, you lose Mike Dana to Michigan, and, and Nathan Brisson Fass is gone, and Mitch Stanizak is gone. And, and so you lose some of those guys that were, were oh so vital to you um, and to your success. And that was the biggest question mark. You know, one of the biggest question marks for me was okay, how, how are these guys really going to play and, and gel together when you're throwing? You know, you're throwing a guy like Troy Harrison in there who was that linebacker last year, and now he's starting at the defensive end position. And you have, you know, younger guys like has Bristol and, um, and then Laquan Johnson, and they're getting in the mix and getting some action. And then Adesanya is taking more of that leadership role um, on the edge as one of the other defensive ends. And, and, and man, they were impressive. I mean, the way that they were able to, to really shut down Miami's offensive line and put pressure on Jaron Williams – was, was solid. And I, and I know Miami has a very weak offensive line, but you still have to remember, I mean, those are three and four stars and, and even five-star guys that they have on their roster coming out of high school. I mean, I understand that, um, that maybe it's not as strong in comparison to other ACC teams. But, dude, the fact of the matter is, I mean, those guys were still, were still darn good coming out, of, coming out of high school. Guys at CMU wouldn't have been able to pull away. Right. If they have scholarship offers to, to Miami, they're not going to turn it down to go to CMU. The point being is that, I mean, those are guys that were highly recruited, and they're they're supposed to be good, and they're expected to be good. But it's going to take time. And CMU, I thought for the 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 inexperience that they have on the defensive line r- was really impressive, and and it led to to a lot of big plays by the defense, and and obviously the safety. But but really, David Moore, you know, su- surprised me the way that he was able to play. And I understand he fumbles twice, okay, and he he Look, missed uh, Khalil Pimpleton <laughs> downfield a couple times, and. He he. Sometimes at times he looked like he was just a little
1: bit rushed, but at the same time he made the big plays and they mattered, right? Yeah, I mean, and and the fumbles. I guess that that first fumble, uh, you, I guess you could you could charge it to him. I, obviously, you'll charge both of them to mm-hmm. to David Moore, but that second one, man, he got absolutely blindsided. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I, I don't I don't I don't want to put blame on any one person, but I mean that that linebacker came off the edge and just smoked David, like we've all seen the movie, the blind side, that's how he got hit. Right. Um, so that, and that, that's what caused that fumble. It's it's just a huge hit on the blind side. And it it wasn't the first time that that happened either. I mean, Uh, that guy was hit.
0: He was banged around a lot, man. I mean, he got, he got got hit kicked. He got hit a lot. And I, and I think that tells you something though, the fact that he was still able to hang in there and make big plays, you know, down the stretch was, was impressive to me. I mean, like I said, yeah. he only completed 46% of his passes. He missed throws. He fumbled twice, and he got absolutely just hammered. But he throws 50 passes for 217 yards, and he has the, the the late interception. He scored CMU's only touchdown. And I think the fact that he was able to get up on every play shows that he's got leadership. I mean, dude, CMU had had, had, a, had a phenomenal night. Uh, when it comes down to, to going for first downs and, and making moves I mean they put they put together 21 first downs compared to just 16 for Miami that's that, huge. that's that's huge I mean they they were what five for nine in the first in the first half on on third down they were two for two on fourth down for the entire game with yeah. both of those coming on the last drive of the fourth quarter like they put together drives that showed they can hang and like I like I was saying in, in the column that I wrote about this was if you don't have David Moore moving the football throughout the game and converting on those third downs they're never going to get far enough to pin them deep and get the safety Ryan Tice is never going to get a chance to kick a field goal because you're not going to move the ball down the field so how does he get his shot to kick it doesn't happen and you're never going to move the ball down and score that score that touchdown that you scored on the quarterback sneak and that that's the difference from last year when you take a look at it is is last year you know CMU's quarterbacks couldn't move the ball there was no there was no sense of, of leadership there was no sense of composure there was no there was no true skill to really get the ball down the field and, and allow for opportunities like a safety or like a field goal. And every little point counts. And that, that's what really it comes down to, especially in these close games. And I think that was the biggest thing that it showed me. And, you know, at the, at the end of my column, I said it I said, I said listen, David Moore, he's proved everything that central, he's proved to be everything. That Central Michigan needs in a quarterback because he's a reliable leader and someone that won't back down until the final whistle blows, and and it's time you get used to that because that's what he's going to bring to the table.
1: Oh, absolutely. That, uh, yeah. I mean, and and the, that leadership that you talked about, it, it it's something that that really seemed like you said just didn't have at all last year, and you're seeing just how much how big of a difference that it makes. Do you think this team would have uh, last year's team would have gone and almost beat Miami? No, no, absolutely not. But they're able; to, it's able to do that this year because of that leadership. And really, Dave, David Moore was was really impressive on Saturday. And I mean, and, and like you said, the stats weren't pretty, Mm-mm. but when he had time to throw, it, he executed beautifully. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Like I'll I'll be honest, it was it was fun to watch when he was able to execute execute properly. It was it was fun football to watch. Yeah, a little sloppy every now and again. I mean, but it was a good game. It was a great it was a great game. And
0: he made an interesting game, and I think that's kind of leads us into to the Western Michigan game. Is you're an eighteen point underdog um as the lines open at, at eighteen. And this game means a lot because this this is one of those games where you know the, the alumni will tell you, donors will tell you, administrations will tell you, and I hope coaches will tell you, this game means everything. I mean, th- this mm-hmm. really is what th- this is really the only must-win game on your schedule.
1: I've heard. Right? Pe- I've heard people say if we're going to go one and eleven, that one better damn well be Western. Exactly. And it wasn't last year, but it it. I just talked with um, former tight end Tyler Conklin, and I asked him, "What does this game mean?" He says, "It means everything." So, like like you said, it it just means everything to the people that play in it, the people that are involved with it. It's huge. I mean, it's it, it does. It's, it's one of the big, it's one yeah. of the biggest and one of the oldest rivalries in the conference. Mm-hmm. 90, 91st meeting going down on Saturday.
0: Listen, I mean, if there's anybody that cared, if if there's anybody that cared about this game and, and you really wanted to pinpoint that one person is John Bonamigo. I mean, he was the guy that, I mean, he, yeah. he really, really cared uh, about this game and, and he wouldn't even say Western Michigan. He wouldn't even, he wouldn't even say Broncos. I mean, he he was absolutely shutting all of that down and he's not here anymore. So it's this opportunity for McElwain to come in there and, and kind of, you know, we'll see how he, how he feels about it. Right. I mean, I, I asked him about the game and, and he said, that, you know, it's it's a trophy game and it's important and it, it means something more. So along those same lines, but I mean we'll we'll see too as the week goes on, you know, how much does his attitude really change, you know, as we lead up to Saturday and, and how does he really feel about this game? Because for people at for people that follow Central and Western, I mean, this is like Michigan, Ohio State. Like like I get it, there's not as many fans that are gonna be following, you know, CMU as as Michigan or Western Michigan as as Ohio State, respectively. But it's still a rivalry game and, and people that are diehard Chippewas and diehard Broncos, I mean, they hate the opposing school with a burning passion, the same way you see out of the Michigan and Iowa state. And I think as a coach, you got to replicate that, especially as a first year coach. I mean, you have to send that message to your team that, that, that we don't like these guys. We're not here to mess around. This isn't going to be something where we're, we're talking about it and like, it's just another game on the schedule. It can't be, it has to be something that means so much more. And, I think that's the only way that CMU is going to come out of this one on top is if they want it more. Because you look at them as an 18-point underdog, and rightfully so, in in a way. I mean, yeah, maybe not 18, but I mean, I, I would put them as probably a touchdown underdog, maybe 10-point underdog, oh, yeah. just because of the fact that that they don't have as much talent or as much proven talent um, thus far. That you know, John Wasink comes back, and and he's a guy that I mean, he he's thrown for over a thousand yards already, nine touchdowns, three interceptions, and a couple of those were against Michigan State, and a that's a tough game, right? Levante Bellamy. I mean, he's one of the best running backs, if not the best running back in the mid American conference, averages seven point two yards per carry and he has six touchdowns. His backup Sean Tyler has three touchdowns and averages nine point nine yards per carry. This team is good. This team can play. So yeah, they're gonna be the favorite. But if you're central and you want and you really want your guys to go out there and 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 compete, as a coach, I feel like you've just gotta send that message, right? That that we are not gonna lose this game and we do not like Western Michigan at
1: all. Well, exactly. And and like you said about Bonamigo, I mean, he absolutely despised Western. Like I I wasn't around for here on campus for, for much of uh Bonamigo's time as the head coach and I don't know, but I feel like he would be the guy to go and like cross out all the W's on campus or something like that. So I guess that's what Ohio State does with Michigan, but with with McIlwain coming in like this is kind of a test to see does he actually does he actually care about this uh, well he obviously cares about this program but how much does he care about this program that sending that message of let's let's go beat the crap out of western mm-hmm. the, the, our arch rival let's just go prove to everyone saying that we're not going to win that we don't stand a chance let's go prove that we're going to go win this thing and that we we are for real
0: yeah, I mean, so, no, he, I, I think, but I think he, I think he'll bring that. I mean, I think he's a guy that understands rivalries. He's been a part of, part of a lot of great rivalries in Colorado, Colorado State, Florida, Florida State. I mean, he, he knows what that means, and he knows what it means to the players. And he really, I think, everything too that, that Jim McElwain maybe doesn't get enough credit for is, um, you know, his his relationships. Yeah. You know, not not only here at CMU with you know guys like Michael Alford and and you know alumni and, and donors and and all those people. But he really has connections nationwide, and so I think you you look at that and and really I'm I'm sure even before he came to Central he knew about the Central Western rivalry he knew that was a game that that Central wanted to win I mean and maybe he yeah he probably didn't watch you know a Central Western game or he didn't follow it extensively but he still knew right I mean being a guy that ended up you know being at, at Louisville and was at Michigan State for a little bit and he was at Alabama and he was, you know, he bounced around and he was able to see different things. And then obviously at Michigan last year, I I'm pretty sure he was probably very aware of what this rivalry means and and the real importance of it. So I wouldn't be surprised if he did that, but, but really too, taking a look at at what these two teams have to, to offer and what they're going to throw up. Um, I mean, really, let's just talk about, about Western Michigan for a minute. Like I mentioned, John Wasink, 81 for 182. Um, 1,222 yards, nine touchdowns, three interceptions. He's been sacked seven times. Um, But, man, I mean, it seems like he's one of those guys where if he gets in the right rhythm, I mean, he can go out there and and he can really tear it up. He completes 63.3% of his passes. That's excellent, um, especially in the Mid-American Conference. And, And, yeah, I mean, he's a true, true gunslinger when it comes down to being a quarterback. And, and I think Western Michigan has the obvious quarterback advantage, especially with, with Wasink being a senior. And he's, he's been around the program, and he understands you know, what it's all about. I mean, he's been there since, since 2017 he's been starting. You know, he, he knows what it's about. How, how valuable is that, do you think, to, to this game, just having a quarterback like John Wasink when you compare him to a guy like David
1: Moore, who's only going to be making his third career start? Well, I mean, you said it, Wasink's in his third year as a starter, right, and Moore's making his third start. So that experience in in a rivalry game like this, kind of learning, I think the biggest thing is learning how to manage your emotions in a big game like this. And it's not to say that Moore can't because he just isn't hasn't proven that yet because he hasn't had the opportunity to prove that yet. Wasink has, and he's done it very well. Uh, if, you were, if you were to ask me, I mean, yeah, he made his – that that 2017 game, the Broncos fell apart late, but the 2018 game just kind of came in and really just just took it took it to CMU. I mean, yeah, it's a low year for the Chippewas, but whatever. So in 2019, biggest thing for the CMU defense is getting pressure on Wasink. because if he if like you said if he gets in a rhythm if he can set his feet they're, they're, he's going to kill you all game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you if you can get him. Kind of running around, maybe a little bit of like, I guess happy feet or whatever you want to say. You get him moving around, get him bothered. You're you're gonna find a bit more success, I think. But you you you, you definitely need to be getting pressure, just like you did last week uh, against Jaron Williams. This week, obviously against Bostick.
0: Yeah, no, and I think looking at the, the wide receiver and cornerback spot, obviously the, the big name to talk about is Dwayne Eskridge. We talked about him being um very likely out for the game against the Chippewas and and he's a guy who, you know, he's caught three passes for seventy-three yards and doesn't have a touchdown, but um he also starts on the defensive side of the ball at corner and, and he's made fourteen tackles and, and has four passes defended. Um five nine, one ninety. Definitely without a doubt, one of the one of the best in the Mid American Conference, at his position, and you can really say that about him as a wide receiver or a, a defensive back. You know, if they were to specialize him with one position, um, I, w- I would really be interested to see how that went. But they got him playing both ways, and so you really lose one of your top receivers and you lose your top defensive back, um, and and that that creates some interesting implications. and And I think that really hurts him.
1: It it so does. I mean, he's kind of like an Iron Man, mm-hmm. little Ironman Man football, right? you you lose that he's and he's a senior with the leadership exactly so he's a senior he plays both sides of the ball he, he so he you know he's out there pretty he's out there grinding every single play pretty much so that that like you said that leadership and losing that that that's that's going to be really really tough uh for for Western Michigan but i, I don't know i I don't know. L- losing a guy like that's going to like like we said is going to be really really tough and um one guy Giovanni Giovanni Ricci, 20 catches, 200, 285 yards, four scores. He's their leading receiver. He's you're going to have that's to watch tight number tight Yeah. You're going to have to watch number 15. Yeah, no,
0: I mean, and I think too looking at at Dwayne Eskridge and going back to him by the way, Giovanni Ricci, uh 63 140. Guy from Loveland, Ohio. I mean, he he's been he's been doing this before. I mean, he understands what it's all about. Another guy that's a senior. I mean, I think that's one thing that that Western does bring to the table too is having a lot of different senior leaders and guys that can go out there and make plays because they've been there, done that. But I think losing Escaridge really helps you out when you're if you're the chip. I was looking at the fact that you can use you know, guys like Tyrone Scott, and, and you can use Ja'Cory Sullivan, and, and Pimpleton, obviously, in the slot using his speed. And, and I think that's going to be, you know, one of the matchups that I was looking forward to was was how does Pimpleton match up against uh, against Eskridge, and that's not going to happen, obviously. But, but, yeah, I mean, you got Scott, and you got Sullivan, and, and Keonton Nixon is a guy who, who looked really good against Albany but hasn't gotten a ton of time since. I'd really like to see him get, get some more action and get a couple more opportunities and make some plays just because... They are bigger receivers outside of Pimpleton. I mean, they, they, they are guys that are over six feet tall. Um, they can go up and make plays. I think that's the one thing that, that Central hasn't gotten enough respect for is their receivers' abilities to go up and, and make big plays in clutch moments and and pull it down. I'd like to see more of that. I think that only helps you with uh, with Eskridge being out. But, yeah, and, and then looking at the running back battle, too, I mean, we got to talk about it. And, and as long as Levante Bellamy is able to stay healthy, I mean, I really think you got to just watch out for what what he's going to be able to bring. Once again, another senior. Um, man, this team's going to be down next year. Yeah, but are. but no, I mean, sixty three carries uh, for four hundred and fifty four yards and six touchdowns. I mean, really, like what more can you ask for? He also has made six catches um, for for twenty one yards. So he can do a little bit of both, but more of just you know, kind of the guy that you ground and pound with. I mean, how how do you start to even think about slowing him down? A guy that a guy that can do a little bit of everything because he can really drive the football up the middle and and kind of pound it down your throat. Right. But he's also shifty and can move back and forth and and kind of find his way in open space. He's honestly a solid mix in my opinion between like Jonathan Ward and Kobe Lewis, right? Because Kobe Lewis is more of that ground and pound type of guy. Jonathan Ward is more of that. Get me in space and, and watch me work. And he can do a little bit of both, which makes him so dangerous as a defense, I mean, how, how do you stop that? And, and don't tell me 11 hats to the ball because we all know that's not actually going to happen because you never put 11 hats to the football.
1: So, but, but really, though, I mean, how do you stop that? Maybe seven hats. No, I'm just kidding. No, it, it's going to sound really dorky, but the fact that the CMU defense was going against Jonathan Ward and Kobe Lewis, like the, the entire, you know, during camp and they still go against them in practice, even though Ward's hurt, I think that might be a, a, I don't want to say an advantage, but that kind of, like you like you said, Bellamy's a really good mix of those two. So having the defense have the ability to bring them both down, it, the CMU defense bringing Lewis and Ward down, I mean, is I think going to be really huge for the CMU defense. Like it, they'll be able to at least kind of have an idea as to what Bellamy's going to do and that, like you said, whether he's just going to run it down your throat or try to get in space, they have an idea of what he's going to do and how to bring him down. And I think I think wrapping up tackles, grab him by the hips, you know, grab, wrap him, wrap him up. Yeah, I think it's
0: interesting too because you know a lot of times you can take a team, and, and they did it against Akron. You you saw exactly what the what the Chippewas went for, where they really just tried to shut down you know Cato Nelson and and didn't really worry about any run game and, and they worried about him throwing the ball and, and they worried about him you know being able to move around a little bit in the pocket but they didn't have to worry about a running back and, I, and that's why they were able to win that so handily and that's why akron's really not that good this year but with western you have an interesting situation due to the fact that that Washington can throw the ball you know and he's one of the best if not the best quarterback in the mac yep and you have you know one of the best, if not the best, running back in the MAC. So you have to kind of pick your poison, I feel like, on some plays. I mean, obviously you can scheme it up and try to throw different looks at them, and, and you know, you can line up one way and try to bounce around the other way just to, just to try to keep Western guessing on what your front looks like and what you're going to do in terms of blitz or, um, or man-to-man coverage or zone coverage or whatever they decide to do on the defensive end. But still, I mean, there's going to be some plays where you really just got to pick your poison. What are we going to allow, a pass play or a run, and, and, and really what's the move there? What do you pick? Really, though, I mean, like what? I mean, I know obviously a lot of things are situational, but, I mean, if you had to pick, I mean, who who are you going to test between Wasink or,
1: or Bellamy? Well, given this week, you said situational and perfect. I would test Bellamy because he's still injured. Theoretically, he's still going to be hurt going into that game, at least a little bit. So you you, you want to test him, I think, at least at the start of the game to see really how... How well that injury is progressing and the healing and whatnot, whatever whatever injury he may have, I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I would I would test him, and then if he if he's if he's running rampant, you're kind of screwed, <laughs> honestly.
0: No, I mean, yeah, I think I think that's what you got to do in, in that situation is just kind of take a a step back and look, okay, what is what are each of these guys going to do to you, and and we talked, I know you mentioned it too, but I mean, you. you you take a you take an injury like you did against against Syracuse, and yeah, coach says you're probably going to be all right, and you're probably going to be back. Um, but but there's no doubt that you know you might feel it. You're going to at least think about it. Maybe you'll remember it. I mean, maybe you won't. Maybe he'll be fully healthy. But I would say the odds are that that he's probably still going to be a little nicked up, or um, you know he maybe he won't be at, at 100%. Maybe he'll be at 90%. But whatever. I mean, you kind of take what you get in that regard. But yeah, I mean, looking at this. You know, CMU's defense is good, don't get me wrong. I don't think their corners are ready yet. I think Washington's going to have a field day there. Um, but, like I said, who knows? I mean, you, we've seen a lot of improvement over these last couple of weeks since the Wisconsin game um, from the Chippewas, and and I think that says a lot about where they're headed. And this one is going to be the one that really tells us, like, are they going to be able to compete? Because you know by beating Akron you can beat some of the lower lower teams. You know, you, you're probably going to be able to hang with Ball State, and you can hang with, with Bowling Green and, and steal wins there. But – if if they can go out there and beat Western, man, like it wouldn't be too far fetched for people to start talking. You know, potentially playing for a MAC championship, if not almost trying to starting to to really guarantee a, a bowl game. When you're looking at now, you got three wins and the whole rest of the season ahead of you. I mean, right? Isn't that kind of it? Wouldn't that be the thought? I mean, if you can go out there and beat Western, one of the premier teams in the MAC, you got to think you got to start looking at a MAC championship and trying to really compete for it and making a serious push for that. And you gotta start thinking bowl game too in in terms of being a fan. I'm not talking about the team specifically, but but from a fan
1: standpoint, you gotta think it's a possibility, right? Oh yeah. I mean once you get to three win if you're if you have three wins by, by week five, you know, you're three and two. You definitely are gonna start thinking about a bowl game. Mm-hmm. Um and really given what given what CMU has coming up, I mean, they've got Western, Eastern Michigan and New Mexico State. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if you can, you can get past, you can book New Mexico State as a win. Yeah, uh, in my book, at least. And Eastern Michigan. Well, go, I'm going to pencil it in as a win. Okay. I mean, they, they EMU almost almost lost to Central Connecticut at yeah. the factory, right? It'll be that'll be a, a toss up game. It'll, it'll be it'll be close. It'll be a great game, but I well, and we'll get to that next week. But you could pencil that one in as a win. So if you can get if you can go get this one. Win against western Michigan you can all you can start to pencil in a bowl game well at least bowl eligibility yeah, right? I mean
0: you can really think you can really start thinking about it and and the fact of the matter is is western you know with what they have to, in terms of talent and the the age that they have of of their players and the fact that they are you know led by seniors, they're still two and two this year i mean they they still have two losses they lost to Michigan State and Syracuse, I know those are two good programs but they still have losses on their record. I mean, there's the only the only team that's better than CMU in the West right now is is Eastern Michigan at three and one. Right. Exactly. So I mean, I'm not going to sit here and and start counting out the Chippewas as a team that can compete, especially if they can go out there and show me something against Western. I mean, hey
1: man, like like who knows? Yeah. I mean, a a win really says these guys these guys are a bunch of dogs and they can go compete. Yeah. And you know you're you're absolutely right and a, a win against western michigan i think would start the conversation of it would have to start the conversation it would have you're right it yeah. would have to like okay well let's potentially get our bags packed for detroit you know yeah it, i like you said western michigan's one of the one of the best teams in the mid-american conference and if if central can go beat western man they're in really good shape.
0: Points per game: Western Michigan averages thirty-eight point eight. Central Michigan averages twenty-three point eight. I think that's something you're gonna have to watch out for. Which offense is gonna be more dominant? That's gonna tell the story of the game. Western Michigan they average five hundred and fifteen yards per game. Central just three hundred and forty-two um, on, on yards allowed. It's kind of the same way. Western you know allows a ton of yards and Central not as many. So we'll see who can win those battles and that's gonna be gonna be huge. But Austin, quick question. 18 points is the spread, Central being the underdog. Um, you know, does, does, does Western Michigan, do they, do they cover that? Do they win by more than 18, more than yes or no? And then who ends up actually winning the game, just for your prediction?
1: Uh, for my prediction, n- no. Uh, Western does not cover, and Western does not win. Wow. I'm, I am going to take the Chippewas. I, I, think, I think they're going to come out and feel almost slighted. Because of that eighteen point spread, and I don't think these guys really pay attention to that, but it's a rivalry game. it's always competitive I mean it was competitive even last year, at yeah. least for the first half, I think I guess, but that this revitalized team they're gonna come out and i i i really I really do think the Chippewas are gonna come home with that victory cannon and put it back in the uh indoor athletic complex. Well, for me and my prediction,
0: I'm going to stick with Western Michigan keeping the Victory Cannon trophy in Kalamazoo. I think they're going to win, but I do not think they cover that 18 points. I think it's a 10-point win for the Broncos. But, hey, we'll see. Noon kickoff, it's on CBS Sports Network, so it'll be on national television. But you know what? We'll be there covering it, and we'll make sure we you know we take care of you guys all Saturday long. But it's going to wrap it up, I think, right?
1: I, I, I think so. Make sure make sure you follow us on Twitter.
0: Yeah, follow us on Twitter. Um, check us check us out at CM Life Sports and at CM Life. You can also check out everything online at cm-life.com. But for Evan Petzl and Dawson, that's going to do it for another episode of Maroon and Bold. And we'll catch you next week.